Right. <clears throat> I mean, that's, you know, when you see all cream and no chaff, you get a little flustered. I get it. Cream of the crop. It's Brother. all all cream, but was it really all cream? I guess we'll find out. Welcome back to class, everybody. Hey, I baby. am your uh, post-movie professor, Ethan. And I'm your vigilante professor, Ricky. Very nice. Thank you. I've been on a Batman <laughs> kick lately. Saw the new movie. It's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a binger. It's a three-hour three boy. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you, you got to clear your whole calendar. We really did. Me and my girlfriend went, and she was just like at minute 155 she's like fuck this i know absolutely too we had an 8 30 showing that we went to and it was it was hitting midnight we're just like what the fuck man yeah i mean you gotta go at noon just so you have like the rest of the day to decompress probably it's a between lunch and dinner affair yeah so you actually have some time to prep and go but then after that i started watch i watched the uh, Batman trilogy after that mm. the Christian Bale Christopher Nolan goods and again just highlights the exemplary performances by everyone involved and then I wanted to hear a wreck from you I'm still on that Batman kick what do you think is your favorite animated Batman movie I'm gonna I'm literally gonna check it out after we record very interesting yeah I heard killing jokes good someone told me hush was another one did I get that right yeah I don't remember if that's a Batman though okay i liked uh the red hood the red hood okay um i would say killing joke it's probably the most famous never seen batman it. story so, i'm in i'm in that's the one with the the whole robin storyline of the joker and the robin taking the robin right yeah one of them yeah okay interesting yeah i'll get i i mean it's high time right, right. it's high time and I mean, I would say just go down the list. Honestly, they're all very, very good. Okay, because I, I either decided to do that, go down the Batman rabbit hole, or go down the Christian Bale rabbit hole with another viewing of American Psycho, which I haven't seen in a very long time. Um, the thing with Christian Bale, I mean, at this point, he's just got so many movies; it would take forever. Too much, and they're just like up and down and all over the place. Like, there's no line he just right. does anything that's insane and he's so willing to be like oh drop 200 pounds in nine months i'm in yeah let's do it but yeah been on that movie kick lately but speaking of movies right real easy in no work involved yeah uh we had just come back from the movie that i would argue is the talk of the town right now and uh i would like to i'd like to say it's not without its caveats but it's probably one of the most exemplary shown in a big IP movies I've seen in a while for a number of reasons we'll get into. But Ethan, would you like to do the honors? <laughs> sure. We went to Jujutsu High School. Uh, we went to Jujutsu High School. Yeah, yeah. We were cursed uh, boys zero. now. Yes. So I did a little research about what the hell this even is in the context of the Jujutsu world. Apparently, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is based off a 200-page manga by the mangaka of Jujutsu Kaisen, obviously, but it was pre-Shonen Jump Days. It was kind of the, the, the formative bones for what he then... I wouldn't even call it a rough draft because it was very well-received, and then he formulated kind of a 
a proper episodic, more shonen jump digestible flavor of the Jujutsu world, which we've later known it to be Jujutsu Kaisen, the show. So it had another name that's escaping me right now. Anyone in the Discord, and if you know it, you can come in for $1 now. Patreon.com slash Shibology. There it is. Come on into the Discord and tell us what the original name of the manga was, because it had a completely different name. And then when Jujutsu Kaisen came out, it got renamed and published under Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Interesting. So this was a prequel from The Rip. So initial thoughts. How, how did you feel the movie kind of played into the overall world? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was better than season one of Jujutsu Kaisen. Wow. By like a lot. Didn't see that coming. I know. I've been very, very quiet since we I finished. I noticed this. You, you were bottled up, but you had some. Yeah. I could, You can see the in Ethan's eyes when he has a real hot take, and I saw it. it yeah, I fire. mean, to me, this was like a billion times better than the actual first season of the show. Okay. Interesting. I, I think there's there could be a case to be made there, but I think in my mind... Was it better than the first season for me? Nobody was definitely on. It was literally on par. It was great. The pacing was phenomenal. It felt, for the most part, very natural for all the characters involved. But what I liked about it most is it being a prequel that already existed and was written by the original author as a prequel to Jujutsu Kaisen season one. It felt very flowy right into Jujutsu Kaisen. And I think it augmented my retroactive experience with Jujutsu Kaisen because of its existence. And I loved watching that story because I got a lot more depth in the characters, some villains, some uh, actions taken in the show that now have a little bit more weight and meaning behind it. But we're digging into all of that. So I guess let's set the stage a little bit so we can start talking about because I really want to hear your thoughts on why you thought it was better. Sure. But you you have what seems almost like a shot-for-shot intro to Jujutsu Kaisen, the show, where you have this character, Okutsu Yuta, a, a, a young man who is kind of imbued with a very, very dense cursed energy off the, off the gun. And it really kind of boiled down to the fact that he is bound by a curse that was his childhood kind of love interest that was tragically you know you know in a car wreck truck coons little brothers subaru coon kind of did its thing and now you have you know the spirit of his gal pal rika in a very powerful way they're both considered special grade and Again, from here on out, that's just the setup, but there will be obviously spoilers for this movie. So if you haven't seen it, do your best to go watch it. But if you don't care, stick around. So um, I kind of like the idea of this because I think the Sukuna Yuji spin was already a sub- subversion or a tweak on the demon within shonen trope. And this one even took it another, I wouldn't say a step further, just in a step in a different direction where it was a. I know a demon within, but it was from a different kind of flavor than like a Sukuna or, or a Kurama. You know, that's where my head's at. That it had a different flavor on the idea, but it still st- stuck with it. I think Yuta's a very interesting analogy or uh, a counterpart to Yuji's character as a main character. Um. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Okay. Because I, I do think that. Like the the movie confuses what his actual power slash curse is. Okay. 
because like he didn't actually have a curse. Right, but he was just kind of straddled with it. He was just wielding his own power the whole time. That's right. That is right. right. So it does like kind of make it more analogous than I think it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Utah as a character is just significantly more um, like real than Yuji. Interesting. And better in every single way. I, wow. I think Yuji just blows, honestly. Okay, well. Uh, just like coming out of nowhere and just being like. <laughs> God tier from the, from the like start. Just like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think there's like a potential that there could be like further down the line. I mean, obviously we don't read the manga, so I don't know what actually happens. But like considering how ridiculous uh, Yuji was at just like physical activity in general yeah. originally. Right, right, right. It starts, it makes me think that potentially he's related to the same guy that both uh, Gojo and Yuta are. Right, they talk about it at the very end, but that's right. But like, there's like something else going on there for Yuji, and then also for him to have this kind of, um, I guess symbiosis with like the king of curses. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's something else going on that obviously we just don't know about yet, and that's very shown in. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, we, that's we, shown in bread and butter, right? Yeah, we don't know the lineage You've yet. Got some right. bloodline down the, down the way. Ooh, those bloodline techniques, um, though. But like Utah as a character is very interesting because like his affliction he caused inadvertently and you know by himself essentially. Yeah. Based on like latent power, as far as we know from the movie. But uh, no, it's just like uh, I think a better take at like it's like. Harry Potter, except for instead of wielding magic, you're you're like cursing people. So like there should be that emotional element that yeah. I don't think Yuji fulfills for me at all. I think he's just like I think he's I don't know, personally, I don't think he like feels the emotional weight of what happens enough. There and I think it's necessary it's not necessarily because um like his character is just weird because he's got like the most powerful curse essentially inside of him. Um, so like he's not like out there like cursing people on accident, right? Sure, it's like sure. kind right, of this right. like anachronistic. He's just plopped into a story kind of thing, right? So I I think what the show tries to do with Yuji is, you know, his lack of desire for killing others or taking action when required. There's a bit of arc for his character there. I'm thinking like mid season when. He kind of reconciles the fact that you're going to have to kill somebody at some point, right? There's a bit of growth here with that, but I, I will agree with you that Yuta's growth in that regard feels a lot more natural. He always felt inferior. He always felt in a way that he kind of tried to hide. Like he even said in the movie, like, I just tried to lock myself away and disappear. He tried to just not be involved or engage with the world after all of the stuff that happened to him. But at the same time, I guess the deeper meaning there is he tried never to engage with himself. And we found that Ghetto, the main villain of this kind of uh, story in this movie, says to him, like, you never, I, I can tell you've never actually felt these intense emotions before. And you're now filling up with cursed energy, which that is the direct cause and effect of the power system of the show. Right. And that felt a lot more natural. And he, he never had friends to really do that with. Yuji had a much more i guess robust companionship set like he was always kind of a guy that had friends you know he never felt really the negative emotion well he probably could have but i mean what i'm trying to say is that yuta's journey felt 
There's much more well, I would say there's like nothing tragic about Yuji. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying, right? His grandpa's death maybe, but but no, grandpa's uh, uh, die. I'm right. sorry to break it to you guys. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? Is that the whole thing with Yuta is that his awakening felt a lot more natural because his character narrative is tied to his rapid expansion in power yeah and it, and that felt a lot more natural and why it, you will find in this movie we said pacing is i i thought the pacing was fantastic they're gonna they for the merit of a movie they cut out a lot of the training but they show just enough to know that he's getting better but you'll find these explosive spikes in his power and his cursed energy usage but that in this show more than most that sudden burst like almost like a zenkai boost can happen with the feeling of intense emotions and this movie does an amazing job with yuta's character when he showing that he never had friends he finally gained friends through his actions he gained their trust and when he saw that they were on the back foot well like less than some feet because of some of the injuries like literally walked up on him like that he exploded and at first i was like this feels odd but then i thought about it more i'm like okay wait this makes a lot of sense that he has this ability well, I mean, I think from from the rip, it's different, right? Because they grade you as you enter the school, right? Right, right. So In Inamuki is already, you know, rank two because his power is just so ridiculous. It's very bloodline heavy as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he comes in with this like ridiculous apparition attached to him, and so he's already special special grade as he enters. That was one of the most badass scenes of this movie too, when like everyone's like, he seems like a kind of a bitch a sourpuss and he walks in and his first step is just boom and everyone in the room freaks like is this some kind of fucking test dude like because he's like you're not supposed to be using curses at the school and 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 gojo's like no no no, like this is who this kid is just inherently and everyone's like what the fuck but i think like showing instantly the capacity for what he can do like it makes it okay to have like these like it's not even power cliffing because it's just like he already has that ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then especially when you see early on his like cursed spirit like run amok. Yeah. It just absolutely waxes like whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because they didn't like grade the thing at the elementary school, so you could be like, oh, that's a grade one curse that this thing just whacks instantly. Yeah. Right. But um, it's definitely like. I think more excusable or whatever you want to say for like the crazy power escalation for a character. If they start off by telling you like he's ridiculously strong. Yes. And he's just untapped because you know, of that linkage between emotion and power, the dude is like so reserved that he's never had to really been tested to tap it. And I like the idea that you said the running amok of uh, Rika, because I like the juxtaposition and why I think maybe this uh, Yuta Rika combo versus the Yuji Sukuna combo might be a little bit more engaging because Sukuna is very level headed, controlled in his own psychotic way. When he quote unquote breaks out, you know, shit's going down, but he has an agenda. Right. I love how unhinged Rika seemed when she was quote unquote released because unlike Sukuna, who's taking control and using Yuji in for his own. Uh, uh, I don't know, malignant uses. It was more that Rika was just unbounded one released, right? So right. the the choice to release Rika was not only a dangerous one, but the risk reward. I talk about this all the time. Risk reward power set. 
Rika as a power or a weapon is literally town leveling instantly, but the risk was not only from a physical or just pragmatic stance of like, we don't know if this kid can control that. It was political as well. As we know that due to society, there's a lot of rules and regulations, very soul society bleach-esque in that way. So when like Gojo was like, hey, don't let out Rika. And if you do, it's going to be my head and yours. So <laughs> deuces, have fun. That was really a, a nice extra layer of risk where it's like, you may be able to control it, but it still be our heads. So don't let her out. Yeah. And like, I continue to like Gojo's character, his like sort of devil may care attitude toward the rules. Yes. Yeah. Like specifically like walking into those council meetings and basically being like, look, pussies, if you want to go, we can <laughs> yeah. go, you know? Right. Because he, he and he has like an undying backing of like his students, which I think is important for like a sensei character. Of course. Right. And one of the cool things I know, like I will say a couple times as we analyze this, that this movie being a prequel, not by design for the movie itself, but was already written as a prequel, really lends itself to augmenting some of the weight and the decision-making of the characters in the show. Gojo, the, the decision he made with Yuji and Tsukuna now has a lot more nuance to it, knowing that th this soft spot he has for these kind of untapped and, you know, uh, listless potential individuals that we now know that this is not a one-off thing with Yuji. He has a reputation of this. He wants, he sees potential. He knows the goods when he sees it. And like, I want to foster this. And every time authority steps in to try to do something about it with either of the main characters in both of those stories, he's like, yeah, try to step to this. I see this potential. We can use this. We know we need this. I, I'm, I'm going to put my bet. On, yeah. that, on this character. I mean, to me, it almost looked like he was trying to make amends or make up for whatever mistake happened with Seto. Maybe. Because, like, as best friends, them growing up with Aniri, you know, going through Jujutsu High, and then somehow diverging so aggressively. It's like, yeah. clearly something happened, and it's like, you know, I think he's probably trying to make sure these special grades you know, they get a chance to actually live their life, but also that they don't go down the wrong path. So I thought that was like kind of a cool tie-in too to kind of give us more depth as to why he would go so far out of his way and stick his neck out so far for these like complete nobodies essentially, exactly. right? Um, but as far as like, I just wanted to kind of get back to the, to the basics of the movie. Like sure. I thought they made it gorgeous and animated it to the freaking a bajillionth percentile, which I was a big fan of. It was Mappa doing Mappa shit. Right. Like, it was great. And I love that they're starting, They, I guess they always have, but they're starting to have this unique visual signature that I think Ufotables got it, Madhouse got it, even Toei Animations kind of has it. And Mappa, something that kind of struck me as interesting if you notice in the original cards for all of the studios involved, MAPPA showed off that this is their 10th anniversary. Very fascinating. There's such a young studio that went from, from 10 years, one decade, from uh, conception to absolutely blowing it up on screen and really stepping it up. I know, I think they are kind of a subsidiary of WIT at some point, like they had branched off, but still they have made quite the name for themselves. Even if them as a studio, we know that their working conditions aren't great, but you know they in ten years they have been a tour de force in the anime community, and 
they put out good shit. Can't really ignore that. So I, I'm finding it interesting that you can now kind of pinpoint a MAPPA show from a visual standpoint, I think, now. It's got a certain flow. They have the certain talent in staff consistently uh, being involved, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's definitely dependent on the show, but I can agree, even though D- Doro Hetero is like a very different show, like you can definitely tell that they're somewhat related. So right. I agree with you there. Um, I will say, you know, as far as them being like only a decade old, I think it's a lot easier when you take like kind of a split off path, right? Where, course, where they're like course. already professionals in the space. They've they've been taught the game by another studio and then they just make their own. Obviously, it'd be a little more impressive if it was just like out of freaking nowhere. Some nobody's you know, suddenly like, like, whoa. 10 years later, you've got like them doing all these shows. That would be pretty nuts. I think about that a lot with Studio Bind with uh, Mushoku Tensei because their only showing up to that point was Mushoku Tensei which is wild. That's their like opening thing. Say what you want about the show from the but from the visual standpoint of the animation output, good lord. So I mean, I think about studios like that. But yeah, this this is elite platinum animation and we were just talking before that they did a really good job of they somehow cut away all of the chaff in a shonen story and the fights were numerous, but they didn't feel like you're just watching a battle reel, right? Yeah. They felt very well connected. One led into the other. Even the little things. I'm thinking the training with Maki and uh, and Yuta. But even the little stuff. And that was just that was sparring with wooden swords and stuff. Very beautiful. Very flowy. Almost looked rotoscoped at some point. So I'm like, what the fuck, yeah. dude? Like, it's that was crazy. But I mean, you will not be disappointed with this. And I I want to say, from the fundamentals of the movie and the basics, like. We've talked about movies in the past where you feel like you have to know the IP to really get the fullest experience. Think Mugen Train, right? You really wouldn't really get the fullest if you didn't watch season one, right? Yeah. This movie, interestingly enough, positions its, it positioned itself for new folk to Jujutsu Kaisen and veterans all the same. Because veterans of the Jujutsu manga may not have even read this bit. Ones that did read this bit would love to have seen it animated. Those who only watch the anime of Jujutsu Kaisen, this movie's going to augment that experience for you. And those who haven't even seen the TV show, this is like the perfect opening, right? So I disagree. I think it's okay. definitely a sequel that it's a sequel because you need really the basics of all the world to like understand what special grade really means. I feel like under- you don't. They they give you some of it like they know they they explain four through yeah, one. Yeah, but is they'll how you have rank, they'll have then, like a screen where they say he's a special grade, and then it'll go away literally instantly. Sure, but you remember like, Maki said like, or someone even said like, wait, yeah, he's what labeled the fuck as. Does that mean what does above first grade mean? Right, unless more powerful, you, right? That's what Ricky, I'm saying. Unless what? you've seen season one, you wouldn't like get a grasp of what the difference is, right? I guess not, but that's what I'm saying. Right, is that you. You still have. I think it is a perfect prequel that has come out after a set amount of episodes of, of a show because all of the basics are explained to you in more detail during the show. And then they all they have to do is hit some like little basic points to like catch everybody back up. But I don't think you could watch this and get a full grasp of what's going on. Well, that's the be- that's that's why it's the best dipping the toe in. 
because everything I think every big beat from a lore perspective is hit in this movie. But if you want to know more, fun fact, dude, there's an entire season waiting for you to flesh out everything you heard. I think you got enough in that movie. If you know nothing about Jujutsu Kaisen, you could follow and understand, at least from a logic standpoint, okay, the grade system exists. We know where things fall. I may not have a full understanding of special grade, but that's fine. I know where it is in the totem pole. And then you go right into season one and you have a better, almost like fuller understanding of some of the decisions made in season one by certain characters, the way Maki is, the way Panda is, the way, you know, Gojo can be. I think and, and you would, I mean, obviously you could follow it. If you're not an idiot, you would figure it out. But I think <laughs> it, it would be a diminished experience for the movie personally. Sure. Whereas, like, I like the show better now that I've seen this movie after the fact. If that makes sense, it does. No, and I'm 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 totally in your camp on that. I feel that season one has been augmented retroactively for me because of this movie. Whereas I don't know if I watched this first and then watched the show, if I would, I think the pacing would feel like a grinding halt in comparison. Yeah, that might it just would be feel merit glacial. Merit, <laughs> totally glacial. That might just be merit of a of a movie format. They had to fit right the big beats of nearly 200 pages of story. Into what, an hour 30 and change, something like that? I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it felt like a good length of time, though. Yeah, I was, right. I kept thinking, like, oh, this is going to be done now. And then it'd go on for like another 20 minutes. And I'm like, great. I'm glad Dope. it didn't end now. That's great. <gasps> but yeah, the, the main conflict of the story, and it's something that you had brought up that I, I think the, the students need to hear, is that we have clearly a schism in the Jujutsu sorcerer world. Where there is obviously different philosophies here, but the antagonistic philosophy is not one that's anything totally fresh. Like you have uh, Ghetto Sugua, I think might have his name is. I don't know, but Ghetto. Get- Ghetto. He uh, is a kind of a defected Jujutsu sorcerer who has pretty much a, a red leisure as red can be. He's cursed at least a hundred people that are non-combatants and just innocent folk. And he ha- he holds a philosophy that it's very, I would think, maybe for you, the analogy might be wizards and muggles situation, right? Where it's like, you know, the he's one of the most powerful sorcerers. He considers all non-sorcerers monkeys, as he says in the movie. And uh, he wants to basically build a world specifically for Jujutsu sorcerers. He sees them as the apex amongst humanity. Now... The idea of that, again, nothing new. This is very analogous to like a wizard muggle situation in Harry Potter. Some people believe, you know, you want to help and assist and support the muggles with your wizardry. And others think that they are scum and lesser to the more powerful and the more equipped, blessed by birth, essentially. Right. Um, I have really enjoyed the usage of that here because it's... It's a little different than magic, like you said. They're curses. It's all meant to be negativity, almost negative energy applied in uh, a positive or negative way. So I kind of liked where he caught, like why he said that or how he applied this philosophy, because isn't there the implication that any normal person with exposure to curse energy or uh, it's a psychological power set? So you could in theory, manifest it for yourself, right? We saw that in the show where a normal, seemingly normal person could manifest some kind of 
cursed power. I don't know. I thought that was like brought on by some other guy. Was it was it the Stitch guy yeah, that brought it on? Stitch guy like Maybe. made him into it. So that's a little bit of the, the kind of what I wanted to ask. Like I, I'm a bit fuzzy on the where does the endowment of the ability to use curse energy come from? I thought it was the usage of negative emotion in manifests physically, but I didn't realize there was some kind well, of because like if that was the case, then every bullied individual in japan would be a would cursed, probably cursed user. user yeah yeah right? so. so i think it it unfortunately does seem a little more bloodline oriented hence um, the hence the yuji thing you brought up earlier why right. in the world could he use it is it just because he he could consume suk in his fingers but if how could he do that without some kind of bloodline affinity right right and i think it has a lot to do with like old school japanese lore about like their famous people I mean, it happens right. throughout really most cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Like some Viking kings are, are, you know, their their legacy turns into like half myth, half not myth, right? Right. And so I think that happened a lot with these like early Japanese kind of leaders because I think the guy that they mentioned that they're related to was like a real human being. Really? Um, but, That's cool. Right. They, they call him one of the three great vengeful spirits of Japan. Which, He's like a super big shot sorcerer, right? right? Which, like, whatever. Yeah. Um. But like, even you know, you you bring it back to Drifters and other shows like that. I mean, they they the, that Ami core, like that kind of stuff. I guess sort of existed, right? And the philosophy I think we see in Mob Psycho in a good bit that they outline where the more uh, credence humanity as a whole or a society, the more the more humans that lend credence to a myth the more power that myth tends to have, right? I think there's a scene in maybe season two of Mob Psycho where everyone believes in this urban legend and therefore that as a demonic spirit exists and is powerful because of everyone's belief in it. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of an interesting thing there. With Jujutsu Kaisen, I want to know if the line fuzzes, where the line stops. Because for me, it's fuzzy right now is what I'm saying. It's like, is it really a bloodline thing? Is it genetic, or is it something that you can, in fact, manifest as a layman? Because I'm, I wonder about that. Well, it seemed to be similarly like if a lot of people believe in it or dread something that it manifests. And they say that in the show curses, too. Curses, right? Yeah, like, right. Obviously, yeah. But I guess I don't understand, and I think that's probably a big mistake. From the showrunners or the mangaka to not have brought up like really the constituents of what makes you a cursed user, and, and you know someone is going to be like, "Well, I did do this in chapter below," and I'm going to be like, "Guess what, bitch? I didn't want. I didn't read it. <laughs> we, uh, we're only so, learning to read now. Come on. Yeah, I refuse to learn how to read. That's why he's an audiobook guy. Um, but no, I I just think like something so important like that should really be brought up and probably made use of constantly especially to to combat this idea of like the zinin clan being the one of the great clans you know and then maki coming from it right and then not having any ability to see or wield curse energy but she still claps but she's still clapping cheeks like there's got to be like some push and pull here as to like how this works in the world so that's what i'm saying is that it's that's where the fuzziness kind of came in and the movie really didn't help this much at all because it doubled down on that thought where if someone from a royal bloodline can be as like lacking as much talent inherently genetically physically as maki can be 
then the other side of the coin should be true that someone who comes from literally no lineage should be able to be a god tier at that point, right? Because if Maki can exist, the opposite should as well. So that's why I'm thinking, like, is there really, is it really a bloodline thing? Is it really maybe? And I think that plays back to like the Jujutsu sorcery uh, society as a whole kind of being akin to a bleach soul society thing where they do value their royal families. They do value that, but they don't discredit talent where talent is, is found, right? And I think that's the, I wanted to talk about the ghetto versus the Gojo philosophy shift here. Because I think it's very, that was really, really well done where, you know, Gojo and Ghetto being the kind of two sides of this, because uh, they're both uber fucking strong. Right. And Go- even Ghetto saying that, Gojo, you are the strongest. And we got that reaffirmed again. But we have Ghetto who is trying to basically pull the purest play where the world is built for Jutsu sorcerers. And because we have, the ability to manifest that we should kill all non-Jitsu sorcerers, which batshit philosophy execution, but you know, we've seen this before. But he still considers Gojo to be more ruthless and less kind, which is interesting because I'm almost inclined to believe him that Gojo's got this weird I would ruthlessness, almost indifference in the face of a lot of things. We saw it a bit in this movie. Like we're both dead if you don't do this. Like the matter of factness, the coldness in some of the way that jo- that Gojo handles some situations. It's weird to say, but I, 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 and this isn't coming. This is some totally subjective. I'm just backing up with some things. I don't know if you feel the same way that Gojo being a great sensei, but he can be real fucking indifferent and cold at sometimes. Mm, I think that indifference and coldness pushes your student to figure out the answer for themselves occasionally. Yeah. Right. right, And I think that's kind of an important piece of his character. Mm -hmm. If he just does everything for everyone, if he teleports around the world to like (laughs) save people, like nobody will ever grow. Um, And when he's trying to foster these kids to be like, you know, mini versions of himself in some regards, like it does feel like you do need to kind of, it's almost like not even tough love because he doesn't actually put them in situations where he thinks they're going to all die. Right, like he says, I they mean, always, this is at least what he says. Yeah, right. To Ghetto is like, yeah, I was, I was very trusting that you wouldn't just wipe these little kids off the face of the planet because they're, you know, promising jujutsu sorcerers. And the question really is, like, did he actually believe that or not? Right. I think that's the question. I have, but, the, I think I have the answer for that, and I truly think Gojo believed it because look at the philosophy of Ghetto in this in this movie. He basically wanted to build a world for and with Jujutsu sorcerers. Right. But I'd say if he actually believed that, then your opinion of him being a cold, like calculating asshole doesn't really like hold a lot of weight. Gojo, I believe, has that in him, not Ghetto, which makes him interesting. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. You said you thought Gojo was like a cold clinical asshole. I think he. But if he actually did believe that, that his previous friend. best friend yeah wouldn't just wipe these kids out then it's not cold to send the kids over there like yeah they'll they'll take some bumps and bruises but you need to right. stall in order to help right it was a, but the thing is he was leveraging the knowledge of his ex-best friend yeah like it it wasn't necessarily of i believe in you kids there's maybe part of that like look i you guys as a team could probably stall this guy for a bit 
So I'm going to send you that way. It was a leverage thing because he knows his best friend. And the best friend, the ex-best friend angle in this movie was one of my favorite moments because there was play and like understanding from Ghetto's side where Gojo's going to be and what Gojo thinks Ghetto's going to do. It was really, it, it implied without saying it that they really knew each other, yeah. which was really cool. And one of the one of the striking moments at the very end that hit me that Ghetto's first idea of things to ask Gojo when he's down and out without an arm, did my family make it out okay? Did, did the other Jujutsu sorcerers make it out okay? And he said every one of them escaped. And he was like, thank goodness. And I'm like, this, I feel like Ghetto as twisted as this philosophy is, I think is kinder to his people than Gojo can be at times, which is a very nuanced kind of interplay between these two characters. I think Gojo has the more correct philosophy, but the way he enacts it sometimes could be a little bit sterile, a little bit surgical. Well, I think it's like, Sasuke in some regards. If Interesting. You're, if you're this genius prodigy, which he it's is, it's very hard to connect, connect with other people. It's hard to connect with the weak. Yeah. Um. So but, I don't. I don't necessarily find it cold or clinical to like have this gap of understanding with other human beings. Whereas he works very hard. I think, as far as his personality, to to maybe chop down some of that because yeah. it seemed like he was probably more of like a like a, I forget the other kid's name, the Zinin guy from Yuji's ear. Oh, um, whatever. Fu Fukujo. Fu I don't Fukujo? know. Dog Fu fucking guy. Fukujo or something like that. Uh, like he's pretty Sasuke esque. Fukugo, pretty yeah. like you know. I don't know if like under wraps is the right terminology, but he seems repressed. like very like. Rep I don't even think repressed. I repressed is right. might not be right either. Yeah. Reserved maybe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, collected in, in regards to like human connection and stuff like that, or connection with his friends or you know his classmates. Where I feel like Gojo being just like you know basically Jujutsu Jesus, it would be very <laughs> difficult. It very be very difficult to actually connect with these just like peons, right? I want so maybe Jesus it's it's almost up. a little bit like um, Ghetto is voicing what he probably actually felt, you know. Uh, Gojo felt. I, I like that, and I, I'm going to play my own devil's advocate here because I the other thing, the other side of the coin, I thought of my own argument was the way that Ghetto has this elitist play on. Remember the the things he had in the back of his dojo: love for the strong, disappointment for the weak, death to the fools. And it's funny because, like you said. <laughs> For someone so lofty and above everyone else, literally two or three leagues above everyone else, Gojo still tries to support the weak. He still tries to advocate for the untapped or the lack of potential because he sees something, right? Whereas Ghetto has no such love in that regard, but he has much more love, I think, than Gojo does for his own kind, for Jujutsu Sorcerers, because where go where Ghetto basically I remember when uh remember where you know Panda and Maki and all them come at the aid of Yuta to protect him when they finally figure out the plan that we they want to rip Rika from Yuta to utilize uh her for nefarious means, he starts to weep. Like this is the world I envision. Jujutsu sorcerers 
caring for each other, affection, affirmation. I want us to be that family and us to stand on top. So he, I think he bears more of a kinship with his own people, whereas Gojo is like, we are tools for the larger society. It's a little bit sacrificial, but for, Go- for Gojo, above all others, he, there's no sacrifice for him because he's the best, right? So for everyone else, he's, training, he's, he's teaching this philosophy of, you are here to support the ones who can't. And it's easy for him to say that because there's no one that can step to the guy. So it's real easy affirmations for him to say, whereas all of his other students, he's trying to teach it to because that is truly his philosophy. Yeah. It's a very, it's really kind of nuanced and I love the way they played on that in this movie. Good character writing. No yeah, notes. Really well like, done. Well done. Um, but I do, did you have any, uh, any actual notes about this movie? You, you do have such a high opinion of it. There must be something. I really didn't have much other really? than I couldn't stand how fast they'd like, they'd put up a screen that you're supposed to read and then it would just like instantly go away. And you're like, oh. I was literally just re- like looking at the Japanese text and then I got like three words in and, and it's gone. This is what happens when you don't do the dubs. Yeah. Or, do, or so do you do the dubs and don't do the subs? I guess. I mean, I'm just trying to like take in the screen. Like, why spend so much time on it on a, on like a screen and then just like instantly get rid of? I it? had no problem. I read everything all the time. That is sub energy. I and guess. I know in the wrong context, that's a bad term or phrase. But I'm gonna stand by it. Up this to you, is, man. Subs yeah. are uh, subs or doms. Who knows? Subs or subs or doms. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be both. Sometimes you gotta do both. And you know that's how it'd be. I'll give you some of my notes. I want to hear your thoughts because it sounds like you have, you know, absolute no notes. This is fucking gold energy right now. I I have notes about season one in light of this. Would love to hear it. Give okay. me, uh, yeah. One's, the, the one big note I think I had, I wasn't the biggest fan of the interplay they had with the romantic angle between Rika and Yuta. And here's why. I don't think it couldn't work. But they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with the the structure of Yuta's, you know, apparent power set up until the end. We learned it was really all his power. She didn't curse him. He cursed her because of his lineage. He's actually quite powerful. Um, so it really was all him. But because of the uh because of the nature of their relationship. I mean, as a cursed spirit and him being a cursed user, that I felt like I I wanted more of emotional foundation to the moments where Rika, as a spirit, is crying or her like weirdly one like one dimensional tunnel vision love for him. I, I didn't feel that in like the four minutes of total back. Like only thing we learned is Yuta was a sick kid. As a kid, and so was Rika. I assume they met at the hospital. They, as kids, played and played and played, and we saw that she had given him a promise ring. When we get old enough, let's marry. Blah blah blah. It's pretty used, okay. But that's all we got. It was only really four or five minutes of pure backstorying for the reasoning why Rika could be so undying, even as a cursed spirit, in favor of protecting Yuta. A little bit odd for me because there was such an organic, what I thought could have been a relationship between him and Maki. That felt a little more natural. Do you see the sparks there? I thought that could have been a thing. 
I was hoping for that. I don't understand why you think it can't be a thing still. I'm not saying it couldn't. Uh, and I think all the more now that Reek is out of the picture by the end of the movie. Oh my god, that's that so could bad. be a thing. I'm shipping, dude. I'm shipping. That's how it's got to be. Yeah, I just don't see how these are mutually exclusive at all. And I, when you said this earlier, I was, I just don't have an answer well, what, for you because, like, what do you I mean? Don't that? Think it at all. Well, in like, in why does this? Ha- why did that situation that happened have have to do anything with Maki and him potentially getting together in the future? The fact that he was literally tethered to a special grade curse lover that could have just destroyed anything that would disrupt that connection. I, but like I, that, it didn't happen. That's not true. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Is that because it didn't now they they can be mutually exclusive. I think there was some intertying there from a narrative perspective. Like they had to put some emotional shit behind it because of his power set up to that point or the perceived power set up to that point. I just wanted there to be, if you're going to give me that kind of romantic, because literally, again, it's as Gojo said, there's no curse more twisted than love. I didn't quite get enough in oomph in that emotional foundation for them to even insinuate that. It felt a bit contrived that they were so endeared to each other. I wanted a little bit more in that. That's all. Um, I mean, I guess that's a criticism that you can levy against them, but like, you got to think it's a, it's a movie. Like they can't spend 20 minutes showing you all the love, uh, I guess like all the situations for the first, I, I mean, honestly it had to be only like two years or something like that, that they could have been together. But I think the point that I would make is like your first love is supposed to be like different and special, right. In, in some regard, right. Whatever. Um, and in this case, like, it seemed like they were deep, deep, deep in love and then something just extremely tragic happened. Right. So I think, you know, if you, if you were to think that she was just a cursed spirit, um, you could think, okay, think about the percentage of her life where she loved people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, of course she's going to be like super deeply, deeply in love with this guy because she's only, you know, it's like really all of, all of the love she's had to give other than her family was for him. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't know, for me, I didn't quite feel like it was that big of a deal to like, um, look past not getting like all the scenes where they were like, I mean, they're kids. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know even know how to explain this. So uh, I, I am, uh, as people know, I'm not afraid to be my own devil's advocate. So let me hit you with my own logic about why I think this could work in a very big way from what I saw at the very end of the movie. This curse was not Rika. This curse was all Yuta's doing. Right. This curse wasn't necessarily born from Rika's love to him. It was not, it was him in twofold. One, his pure rejection of her death. And two, it was formulated with the emotions based on what he had in a relationship with Rika. Remember, all she said in the beginning of that when the curse was forming and attached itself to Yuta was that I made a promise to you that we're going to be together forever and ever, right? That was him almost like an almost like a domain expansion, right? Just building building a reality based on the little bits that we got. And I think that's all he had, right? A promise yeah. together forever and her undying love for him is his perception of her. So he built the curse, not her. So it was built around just what he had. Yeah, I mean, it's and certainly I totally possible. understand that. It's like yeah. a, a, maybe yes or no, who knows. But I think 
they could solve it by like explaining a little bit about his like actual upbringing and family situation, which I think we may get later. We were told that he because he's in in the show, he's kind of off doing some shit, right. so he's still around, quote unquote. We could, and that's why this might be brilliant because like season two and three, hopefully three, but I think definitely he comes two, back. He yeah. comes back, and we now have this, and we get the goods that we didn't have, but of his upbringing. I, I would just say, like to me, it's probably. And I think we, we even maybe have talked about this at different times, but like the level of emotion that you have when you're young and you think like, you know, something bad happens. You think it's literally the end of the world because you haven't right. had many bad things happen. It's to all you relative. Yet. It's literally the worst thing that could happen. Right. right. And honestly, and that was for a kid. That is the worst thing that can happen for a lot of people. Right. What happened. That's, so that's what, kind of what I'm trying to say is I think his love was as deep as it could be at that point in time. And also the loss was as deep as it possibly could be at that point in time. Mixed with his lineage, you got a hot recipe. Right. So like to me, I didn't think it was like weird at all. I mean, of course, like, sure, I would have loved to see eight years of, <laughs> you know, like whatever. You sure. Know? Right. And again, but, like movie format. You, you just have to kind of, I think that's one of those situations where you just kind of have to be like, okay, they were deeply in love. It was obviously weird, like in the very beginning of the show this like little girl brings up this like ring and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I so, think we all three looked at each yeah, other. We like, all what? looked at each other. Our friend Cody that's been on the show before looked at us and we all looked at each other like, it's going to be, I even said to Cody, he's like, it's going to be a fucking engagement ring. And he's like, no, there's six click. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck me. <laughs> well, you saw it on, around his neck. So like that to me, was I, didn't pretty put the, telega- I didn't put the connection, pretty telegraph. But, but um, I, I love the, I, I love the idea that, I will say before we get in, because I want to hear your thoughts about this and this in light of Jujutsu season one, that he kind of makeshift on the fly a cursed tool with the ring. That was wild to me. He literally put the ring on, and we knew utilizing cursed weaponry can be augmented exponentially based on the user's power. I'm thinking of, um, was it Playful Clouds, the weapon in season one, where it's like the three. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and depending on the wielder, it can get more strong because it's a special grade curse tool. It's almost as if he makeshifted a curse tool on the fly because it was a close emotional tie to the curse itself. I love that, and everything just like stuff, little stuff like that felt so in universe justified. The little things, all the things we know, are all explained. The curse tools, you know. um, you know, Maki stuff and, you know, Ghetto's ability to control curses has been alluded to it before. And I don't know that it was just really cool to see all that stuff. So, but seeing this movie, like you just said, I want to hear your thoughts on what do you think it changed for you in season one? Well, I don't think it necessarily like what, how did it perceptive shift maybe is more of the, it didn't like change the plot or anything like that. I just think this would have been a very good element to like allude to like, like think of, um, fire force. They always allude to that day when like everybody combusted and like that Mm. event to me, this would be a very clear, like opportunity to bring up an event that happened that was extremely important in the jujitsu world. Yes. Or something that Yuji noticed, like a weird thing happened in Shinjuku last night. And then he could like put the pieces together and then kind of format this like reintegration of Utah back into Jujutsu High. One thing, one thing I want to bring up is we did, I think, had one moment like that in this movie. And it was Narama, Narami. 
I think it's the seven three guy. Yeah. Uh, What's his Nanami? name? Anami. Yeah. Anami. Anami. So Nanami. 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 <laughs> Remember how when Yuji had his Black Flash combo? Yeah, yeah. We got flashbacks that he had four in a row, and he was the world record holder as a goof, like as a, a luck, like he never meant to do it. We got to see that in this movie. Right. I was fucking hype, yeah. sweating in my seat. Like the first time he did the flash shovel, I looked at Cody. I'm like, dude, is this the thing? And he's like, I think this is the thing. Yeah. I didn't like put two and two together because first of all, I didn't really like Jujutsu season one, like that heavily. I, I think hmm. honestly it just felt like a super rehash of like a better show. Um, but I think that's a really cool like homage certainly to like something that was cool about season one, like the black flash thing. Is that what that's called or is it called zone or something um, like that? It's called a black flash. So it's when I, I kept you, thinking he was like talking about the zone. <laughs> it's it's so uh Toto when he was teaching it to Yuji, he said it's as if you g- gain a state like the zone for athletes. He, ac- mm. he equated that to like the zone for athletes. Very c- uh, Kuroko basket situation, right? right? Where zone. The zone. So it's basically when your physical attack and your application of your curse energy are within one, one trillionth of a second of each other and it's considered instantaneous that that lack of lag causes an exponential explosion of cursed energy known as a black flash. It is something that requires insane concentration to do once. So for him to do it four times, then Yuji to do it later, I now we now have this kind of timeline of uh, weight of that feat, which right. I think that's one of the things that seeing not only that four consecutive black flashes, but for What's-Her-Face and Yuji to do it in the final battle in unison together, both of them to have a black flash, fucking awesome like and and that's the best part we saw you to do a black, black flash because he like literally was just so in enraged heavy emotion he just lost and you saw it was the only time his peoples went away he was in pure concentration mode beautiful beautiful thing and he dro- he just dropped his sword because it broke and he just fucking decked the dude yeah. it was great um but i think like an event like that could be a really good I guess tool for the jujitsu world and like, you know, season one should have brought it up. Like, you know, we're actually, we've lost a lot of sorcerers recently in this big battle. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I just think like those historical events are really cool to bring back and kind of like, like it would, it just would, I think have been cooler if they had kept alluding to this day that was like jujitsu infamous. I have, I have a hunch that we will get that because I think the mangaka wrote that Jujutsu Zero early, reformatted it, kind of polished some stuff up, made Jujutsu Kaisen as a manga all the way through. I just don't think we're there quite yet. And we have this kind of unfortunate coincidence, and I mean that phrasing very specifically, where maybe if we got this movie after season two or we saw Yuta come back and then saw the prequel, that might have given you a bit of that sauce that you're looking for. Well, because, like, I think you lay, in my opinion, you lay the groundwork for something like this earlier than and, season two. And that's why I think this this was a smarter move. So I think they will allude to this, but we'll have... No, before. I mean, like, this should be alluded to definitely in season oh, one. Oh, okay. So you're thinking they should have done more works. I think they had one or two offhanded comments where we're a little light on staff recently. We're a little 
or looking a little light at Jujutsu High. See, I, I don't I recall think much even, of that, but it's entirely possible. I think I Maki think said we're looking a little light on recruits lately. It's so. a little bit like Exorc- uh, Blue Exorcist. They had mentioned that Blue Knight like a lot of times, right? And then you finally get to see it, right? Yeah, Th- right. Those things are important, I think, in storytelling. Like, and, and something that would be this dramatically important to the Jujutsu world should have been mentioned as Yuji's education in the Jujutsu world. Yeah. Even if it's like him on his own because he wasn't a part of it, right? Or the the lineages or anything like that to know about it where like Gojo had mentioned, yeah, it really sucked what happened last year or something right. like that, right? Because that, make, that makes a world, that makes... It, it feels bu- lived in. It feels it, like there's historical basis and like actual things that have happened previous to the main character showing up in it. Primarily things that are so common knowledge in the lore that it shouldn't feel like it had to be explained when bringing it up. Like when we say, you know, like remember, you know, when the, we'll, we'll talk years later, like, Oh, the, the toilet paper shortage. We know that was because of Corona, the whole thing with the pandemic. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. We, like we, that. We know that we, I don't have to explain to you when well, I, actually five years from now, our version would be like September 11th. Right, exactly. Like, like I wouldn't have to say like, oh yeah, never forget. Right, I don't even have to say the date, and you kind of understand yeah. that is a common knowledge of a societal or a cultural collective that this kind of thing, like the night of what was it, the night, the night of a hundred demon parade, is what they yeah, called it, something like that. Which yeah, is a sick name by the way. It was so sick. Yeah, it's like remember the night, you know, that night. It's like oh yeah, obviously that night. A lot of we lost a lot of good people that night. And everyone around Yuji would be talking about it like right. that. That makes a world feel lived in because like they have and there might be people and I know there are people in the discord and other discords I've been in that get a bit like kind of bitchy about how like, oh, like what, what the fuck? Why aren't they explaining this? I'm like, it's clearly important. It's obviously Chekhov's gun. It will be fired narratively at some point. We will learn about this, obviously. But the fact that they keep referring to it really sets the tone for common knowledge in a world lived in world right so i i'm totally in your camp on that it's like lore that you will get the answer to eventually yes exactly so i mean and like you you can accomplish that by having these like these like famous families these like long lineage families right and like i think they're trying to do that a little bit with this i can't remember the guy's name but the third Fukaku signing or no no no, oh, no the, other the, guy. the guy they mentioned at the very end that they're related to I can't I it was so that one was so quick I didn't quite catch it oh but, wow oh fuck you you're so good it was at a Japanese subs. oh it was a Japanese Shut name up. don't even at, dude don't at me right now I am so chilling yeah, you're so yeah. good Ugh. uh but I'm just saying like that they're but clearly I, doing that with those kinds of like little name drops and things like that and even like you know Sakuna being the the king of curses or whatever the fuck yeah like, right that is a like a version of this yeah i just think like a collective shared historical event is also an important piece to make a story feel more real to those that live in it not the main character because he was outside of the world yeah but, like the ones that actually know about it like it would be very cool to me if uh whatever the guy's name is um the, the kid that he's friends with Oh, uh, Zenin, Zenin, like yeah. mentions it as something that he heard about because all the Zenins were also brought into the. And we the lost fray. a lot of, and like that's a like, bit, that even could be his a brothers big, and sisters. Maybe. Yeah, like that would be sick. That could have been a big mar for their family because they lost a lot of right. their powerful. Because those families are only royal because of the potency of their sorcerers. So if they lost a lot of good people in that fight, 
it could have reduced that family and made a power shift. That would have been cool. Like, yeah. like, okay, now we're not the, you know, an equal footing with the other three. We've like lost a few. And imagine a family decided not to send as many knowing it could be a bloodbath. Right. And then when everything was done, the Zanin family basically lost a huge swath of their sorcerers and now right. they're good to go. But then it comes out later, they didn't put their full fourth effort into it like and that then, kind of stuff would right make there. a story just like yeah go from like good to just absolutely like Bangers. god tier yeah like you need that lore you need that like the background like things are happening in the background regardless of whether the main characters know about it like even like maybe gojo mentions it sometime like yeah you know like weird how only like a few of your guys showed up to this event yeah, don't think i wasn't looking for, at it just because right? i wasn't there i know how many yeah, came to what right and like, your family was a little light my dude like like the head guy comes in and starts saying some shit about whatever this kid's name is um i, I think it's Fu- you want to do a look up i just gotta look, look, look it up because it's honestly I think it's pissing me uh, off fukoku or fukoku or something like that but yeah so the and, and here's the thing right is that I, I think what you're asking for is more of that to be applied, but I don't think that the story is devoid of it. We do have allusions to royal families. We do have allusions to other academies and sects. We have clear allusions to political and philosophical schisms within the sorcerer world. So I think Jujutsu Kaisen, this movie kind of showed even more of that, that does it is it trying to build the bones for a long haul situation? We're talking like seven, eight seasons, like My Hero Academia level shit. Is it building bones in that regard? But is it leaning more in the bleach politics than maybe the heroism of my M- uh, MHA? You know, like something like that. I don't know. I-, I think it's leaning more towards a bleach situation. It is building a political complex world of individuals and groups with different agendas different outcomes different philosophies of them within uh, society as a whole i'm curious to see oh his name was megami megami fushi fushi okay i was i got so the f they, right and go i guess they changed his name to megami yeah well megami zenin megami zenin okay interesting because a lot of them don't i even think megami and maki both didn't want to be part Right of that family, in their in their own ways, but neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, to my question, I know you were deep in the deep in the research. It happens in the lab. But do you think Jujutsu Kaisen is trying to build bones for a really long haul? Because I think they if if the answer is yes, they're doing a fantastic job. If no, then they're lacking. Right. That's what's worrying I here a bit. I think it is yes. Yeah. Because I I mean, I could be completely mistaken because I don't know shit, but I thought it was a long manga. Like, why it would is. people be super, super excited about it if it wasn't like a long, long thing? Yeah. So, I mean- I think I, it's doing better than Demon Slayer, for instance. At, I like, gotta be longevity. honest. Yeah. We, we, like I said, you know, not just the intricate and diverse power system. Like, seriously- to me, this is a spiritual successor to something like a bleach. Everything, the bones are all there. Political factioning, demonology, very varied power set but that are based on very personal, you know, per- personal uh, ties to said powers. All the bones are there, but they just—it's all got a different cone of paint and feels a little more refined in 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 a in an era where a big three really doesn't exist, right? So I, I, 
this movie made me all the more hype for it. Cause, like it built more of the world. It built more of the of the historical lore that season two now has all this to munch on. Like has everything to refer to from this movie. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I just like the pacing better or something. Like I felt like I cared more about every character in this movie than I did about actual season one main character. Like uh, I forget his chick's name. Don't care about her at all. Oh, yeah, uh, and I don't really care about Yuji either. Like Sakuna's cool, and I did actually. I wanted to ask you. Yep. G- Ghetto mentions at some point Queen of Curses. Did you notice that? I did notice that. What the fuck was he talking about? We have a King of Curses. Yeah. So I'm curious what what, and we never saw necessarily in my mind a queen has a brood, and what we saw were demon babies essentially, right? I don't think we ever saw the quote-unquote queen of curses. Unless that chick he summons was her. Mm. When did he summon a chick? You remember he summons like oh, the, the one that was like right there. Yeah, special like, grade curse. I don't know. I don't think that was it. Because it was like, that one had a very specific name. And I would be... Well, I, was tr- I couldn't tell if he was like implying Rika was the queen of curses. And I'm like, that seems weird as fuck. Yeah. And then... Then he pulls out his own special grade, and I'm like, "So are you saying this is your this is the Queen of Curses?" So I di- I do think like um, it is odd as like a I guess like a, a way of doing this to have mentioned. Did you know there is 16 special grade curses? And then he's like, "You've got one, and I've got one." And then it's just like, I'm not gonna mention any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, the other 14. I right, guess. Like, holy uh, shit. Hello. Yeah. Right. Like, I think it does. Like, it's one of those things where it does. Like, I guess leave a little like questions to answer. Yeah. Right. But it's just like, why say Queen of Curses and then just not follow that up literally at all? So one thing I wanted to bring up before I think we give a rating. Well, anything else we have? Fuck it. But. The idea of reversal curse techniques. Yeah, that was cool. That was interesting because it was it, it the implications there in my mind was a, a more akin to like medical ninjutsu, right. right? So we saw that you know, I don't know how, but Yuta apparently used curse energy to do some healing properties. There were some medical doctors that were in the fight with cursed sorcerers and cursed users. So the implication is that reversal curse techniques are the opposite of damaging they heal but we saw gojo's purple hollow technique is curse amplification red and curse reversal blue has he found a way and to see beyond the application of reverse reversal curse techniques to use kind of a matter antimatter shit with curse energy to make this black hole of shit with purple hollow i had so many questions about reversal curse techniques so that opened the door to some really cool shit for season two because that would imply that Yuta has much more of a knowledge after his time at Jujutsu High about cursed energy, I think, than you know, Yuji ever did. That yeah, was wild he could do that. And I he, think they were implying that it's all latent, just g- genius talent with actual like yeah. application of curse. Like, think about it. He created a special grade as a little kid on accident. And he also saw in real life cursed speech usage and then within months just months after that moment he built a technique to copy it once in a very high potency right he literally copied a cursed speech in a megaphone yeah literally die and just destroyed a swath of demons or curses all at once and it's like a one-shot 
but it was rather amazing that yeah, he yeah. just like saw it. And even like Ghetto was like, wait, that's the Snake Eyes and Fang. Did he just copy someone's technique? And so again, everyone attributed it to Rika and they wanted Rika, but it wasn't. It was Yuta and yeah. his latent ability. So I am so hyped for him to come back in either season two or hopefully season two. Uh, if at, at any point, I'm excited to see him come back. So I want to see what he can do after being freed and realizing that all that Rika was, that's you, my boy. That is all well, you. It's, I, I think to me, seems like there's going to be a lot involved with like Yuta helping Yuji kind of, I guess, curtail Sakuna's, uh, you know, the shit that he does when he takes over kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, because I, I think as much as they may differ from an application of a main character in this story, their journeys are quite similar, at least from the outset. And I'd be curious to see what advice mentoring he could give that maybe uh, Gojo, not that he couldn't or just doesn't in a different way. So I'd like to see him as a mentor role and kind of him to go balls to the wall. Well, it'd be but- cool if they like they find a way to team up because I, I don't know. It's hard for me to think someone that's only a year above them is really going to like take on that mentor role. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see like what his personality is now that he comes back. Cause True. cause there's this, yeah. this other piece of the puzzle is like, he now has lost his, his one great love kind of scenario. I don't know if that's going to make him go a little uh, loopy dark. Cause that's totally an option. And like based on some of the pictures I've seen of him, like in the future, like potentially he's, he's gone a, he's a little a like twisted. emo. Yeah, I don't know if he's twisted. He just like has much longer hair and like looks like I thought it was cool the entire season how he had that like weird red under his eyes from the eyes opening or from Yuji or no 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 I'm talking about Utah Utah okay of just like this 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 I guess v- visual. Uh, representation of him just being like strung out and like oh in the movie oh yeah, in the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah right he's always like sunken eyed right, almost right. yeah he's just always tweaked out about but it then so, at the end he like it just looks normal so yeah. I think it's potentially like this this like super super intense loss that he felt was just weighing down on him so literally aggressively. yeah like when you like you mentioned when he walks in the room like you can just literally feel this depressive force it almost felt like Riatsu right the exactly spiritual energy of just weight just like everyone feels his weight so and i did love inamuki when he said like what do you say plummet yeah and plummet. then just created this massive effing hole like He's, that was so lit. i think that's the first time i saw him really kind of we saw the effects of cursed speech we saw it in the season one yeah he went off in season he one. did well off in season one but you like i don't think we ever really saw like surrounding damage to what that was he just he bored a crater deep into the right, earth from that sick. shit so he's uh he ain't no trifling bitch man he, nah, he, 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 he gets it he ain't trifling panda was the comedic relief for this movie it was fucking awesome yeah he was just it like, was very good he was just like he come over like hey you come over here like he's sparring with maki he's like hey come over here you like uh you like that big old pie or are you trying to go like flat chested yeah and it's like wait i never really thought about it but if i did i mean guessing like a bigger and then he turns to maki and goes you got a chance my girl and he's like what the fuck are you talking about i thought it would have been interesting if like rika had manifested at that point right right that's what i thought was gonna happen like i thought she was gonna play a little bit more of like an integral role and like 
deterring him from going after like Maki, right? Yeah, like yeah. that time when they're sitting together and he's like, I like really admire you. I thought like there'd be a manifestation or something. There, there was, there was that moment where he had rescued all three of them. And then she grabbed him like, it's not fair. Why do you, yeah, 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 why yeah. do you, but that's when I, that's when I realized my counterpoint argument to my romance knock where it's like, she listened to him right away. And that's why I'm thinking, like, well, is I this thought she was really be, Rika? I thought she was going to be Yandere at first, and then she, like, wasn't. And she I'm like, wasn't. wait a minute. <laughs> she was totally subservient. And, like, the fact that he's just like, she saved my life. You get the fuck back here and treat her right. And she did. And I'm like, is this really Rika? Or is this Rika, like, his perception yeah, yeah. build of Rika? So, all in all, you know, the knock is still a nitpick. But it's still, I, I've reasoned my way out of that hole. So, you know, we got to do it to him. What would you rate this movie, knowing what you know? Your Professor Ethan rates. Oh, that's how I know he's going to give it a banger <laughs> score. Jutsu Kaisen Zero, a 93 out of 100. Um, I feel really, really bad. And it was a very tragic story about his love with Rika. Damn. Out of 100. Nice. <laughs> out of 100. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it... Um, I'm going to give it 91 out of 100 lewd pandas. I think that's how it's got to be. Okay. Yeah. He was, a, he was a little crass in this one. He was you know? crass. I, don't, I wouldn't say he was lewd. Sorry, crass pandas then. <laughs> yeah, he, okay. he was a bit lewd. It's like his speech was a bit lewd. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> all, all in all, I, it, it, it definitely broaches the 90s. And I yeah. think aside from nitpick here and there, I think it's, it's an exemplary example of uh, a movie for a big shonen, like a shonen jump IP. It wasn't a one-and-done can. It had real lore implication. It wasn't a Mugen train where you had required reading per se to watch it. Would it have been augmented if you'd already watched Jujutsu Kaisen Season 1? Sure. But I think if you were to think, I never watched Jujutsu Kaisen. I want to watch the movie first. You'd still be in pretty good straits. I think you'd have a good time with both in that order. And to that, I'd say... That's pretty rare for yeah, shown in movies. I did want to comment on this quickly before we end. Like, I do sure. think that this kind of idea of a movie is definitely a better application than just like throwing out like a My Hero Academia one-off storyline that doesn't matter. Right. Right. Like, if you want to do a movie like this as an anime studio, and your IP is supposed to be long and like very lore heavy, like explore a piece of the lore. Yeah. Like obviously, like this case, it really hits harder because it did have a lot of characters we do know involved. And it had Magica that uh Mangaka that wrote the story prior. So it's a hundred percent shot for shot canon. Like this is canon right. to the universe. And it is right? really like fleshed out event. Like I yeah. don't think you would get like a full movie about whatever that fire day was in, in Fire Force, right? Exactly. Right. Um you maybe could have snuck one out on ex- Exorcist, Blue Exorcist, right? Like I think you definitely you, you, could have, you know that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I I just think this is like an absolute master class and like how to make a anime movie actually applicable to an overall IP, but like not necessarily have to use your main character. You don't have to like do anything to expand their like story. Um, in a way that, like, you have to then retcon heavily. So I'm thinking, like, uh, think Black Clover, Julius, King Julius. If you if you were to have Wizard King Julius, his entire backstory as a movie, how yeah. he developed his time magic and really 
what his because he had some knowledge of the devils what that where that com- came from would give his character more credit you definitely have 90 minutes of meat there if you won't even want to do it homegrown that's what i'm saying go prequels baby give 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 the lore you've put so much time into building more meat and that's what this movie did just gave even more oomph to all of that lore that's been under the surface does help that the mangaka wrote the original story doesn't mean it's not impossible without that so you got 90s this week from the professors. Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed if you went and watched it. Um, I heard from Saint that he was not as as high on the movie as as we seem to have been. Mm. Um, so that's uh, that was kind of an interesting... Once this drops, we will have engaged, uh, uh, ignited discussion, of course. Yes, always. of course. It always happens. So, But I would say uh, thank you all for coming to class. If you do want to talk to Saint about why he thought the movie was shit and all of our fans... I didn't say. Uh, I know you didn't. I, I dropped it just to, just to get it triggered. But you can come in with some monetary love only if you can. Patreon.com slash Ubology. One dollar up get you into the Discord, like I said, with all of our lovely Patreon folk and all of our students and all of our past guests if you want to talk to them too. Three dollars and up get you into the syllabus sidebar, our lo-fi high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes visual, and sometimes on hiatus. Show that, you know, we talk about life and shit and experiment with other types of content. Um, we got, I want to do one this week. So I think I have a couple of shows we do want to talk about soon because some okay. just finished up that I think we want to talk about. And I agree. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you want to check us out anywhere you want to, and all of our backlogs, it's all in the description, anywhere you get your podcast fix. You're already, if you're listening to us right now, you're already in the platform. Just pop back over to that. Congrats. Backlog. Yes. Congratulations. You've made it here. Now go pop over to that backlog and just rip it. My guys and ladies, all the students just, just, just rip it. It's all required reading. Every bit of it's required reading. Of course. Um, yeah. And if you want us to watch an anime, you can hit us up anywhere like Instagram and stuff like that. Webology.podcast at Webology.podcast. I always forget the ad at the beginning. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, our email, old school, webologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we do read that. Like we said, we will guarantee read your email. Right. Now, the re- reply is up in the air. It's up in the honest. air, but your your message will hit our corneas. Yeah. It will hit them. I guarantee you I will ob- observe what <laughs> what you want me to observe. And most likely, me and Ethan will discuss it even. But the reply is still a 50-50. That's right. a, co- that's I, a coin I toss. I think I replied to most. Yeah, we, I think we do. But the follow-up, potentially not. Potentially, it's a whole episode based on the show you recommend. So right. there is that a, is totally there. The risk-reward for you is real lopsided in your favor. Yeah, the risk yeah. is nothing. You're going to get red. The, the reward is an entire episode with your name exactly. in it. So, and we're going to try to start doing that more often. Is the We're going back to the show reviews because I think we've been a little light on that. Just by sheer merit of what we're feeling in the week. Yeah, I I don't feel bad at all. You shouldn't. It's okay. I don't blame you for not feeling bad. But yeah, I think that's all we had. I am going to probably go back and either go into that Batman or Christian Bale situation. Yes, yes. Yeah, but until I kind of watch American Psycho and maybe relate to it a little bit, but shouldn't, I'm Ricky. (laughs) And I'm Ethan. And this has been Weebology. (laughs) Deuces. American Psycho is a little relatable. It's a little related. I'm on the outside fringe of society. It's fine. I don't think that's what it was about. (laughs) But I guess I didn't watch the right movie.